weather in the, New York, the New, in the Northeast is phenomenal, 80 degrees and warm. Wherever you are, I hope you're healthy and safe. I know that surge is happening, but hopefully we're getting past it. And we have that sense now that people are already moving past it. And I want to make sure that all of us, as we start, I hope, I hope emerging from this, we don't emerge from this in the way that we walked in. We're growing. We're changing. One of the things that we've been speaking about a lot is this idea of needs, significance, connection, how when we go after these needs in the proper way, we end up getting a real autonomy, an autonomy that is long-lasting, an autonomy that enables us to have real relationships with people. You see this a lot of times with people where they achieve a certain level of success in one area. Let's say somebody was really pretty in school or someone was a great athlete or someone was really smart and they have a group of people around in which they've achieved their significance. They were popular. There's a group of people in which they feel the most successful financially or in careers or whatever it is. And then as they get older, things change, people change. It's time for new friends. It's time to expand out. And it's hard because we're, we've conditioned ourselves to a significance that is based on the attention of others. And when I branch out to other people, when I go to new environments, when I have to make a move, I may not get that attention. So you see people sticking with the same comfortable friends or relationships for years after they don't need to, not because they're in the, they're in the greatest environment. It's because they don't know how to live their lives and, and be autonomous. Same thing with significance and symbols. They can't branch out to new industries, to new areas. They can't take a chance in which they may fail because it's not about winning and losing. It's about what will happen to my symbols, what would happen to how people think that I'm important. If you get into that world, we're not free. You may look free, maybe on a yacht. I don't know. Not free. Freedom isn't based on your physical proximity to an area that you want to go to. Freedom is based on your mind and your soul. When you're free to think new ideas, when you think to create new relationships, when you're free to not get sucked into controversy, that's freedom. And we can get that. That's called autonomy. That's where greatness lies, because greatness is always going to take place in different moments. Greatness is always adapting. It's always holding on. Greatness is always being somebody that the, that the world around you doesn't necessarily accept yet. If you look at the greatest, let's forget more... Um, esoteric or let's say forget like religious leaders or thought leaders just take like straight up like business leaders the greatest business leaders we had were doing things where the world thought they were crazy if they didn't have a measure of autonomy within their own self they would never push their product or company long enough for all the naysayers because when something is new most people haven't done it before so they haven't seen it before so we're driving towards this world of being really autonomous of being really free, not free from who you are, not free from the divine spark that you are, free from the world that is around you. And only when you're free from the world that is around you can you actually give to that world and can you actually have a chance to lead in that world. A leader can't be subject to the whims of his crowds. It's not how it works. We may live in a world where people make speeches based on polling numbers, but that's not true leadership. 
Leadership is not being subject to the whims of your people. It's understanding them. It's delivering for them. But real leadership is leading them. A parent doesn't take a poll as to what the kids want to eat. And when they vote, you know, all in favor of ice cream for dinner, mom and dad are like, okay, I need you to like me. No, we want to include you. We want to be part of it, but we're mom and dad. We're going to decide, especially when you're little, when you get X and Y, the end of the day, leaders are at the front and you can't be at the front of anything in your life. If you need the world to make you feel good. Where we ended off yesterday is this idea of the search for truth. That when we are doing this, the greatest trap that gets in our way is mixing truth and peace. Peace is how am I going to deliver it? Truth is, is it true? And our brains go so quick to it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. I can never do this. I can never have that conversation. I'm not going to leave my job. I'm not going to be able to come on, come on. All of this is in the world of peace. Peace is how am I going to administer it? How am I going to come to peace with delivering this to a human being that's not me? How am I going to come to peace with all the things that are the, the complicated pieces to being able to implement my dreams? So we go straight to the end and go, I'm never going to happen, and we give up in the beginning. This is why in the beginning when we were talking a few weeks ago, we started talking about doing the ideal. Remember that? Vision. The ideal day. Why do we do this for? Because in that world of being in the future, we free ourselves of the piece, the integration piece of this. But I can't do it, but I can't do it. Okay, it's in the future. That's why the eulogy is so powerful because the eulogy, we're not even around for the eulogy. So we're totally free. We don't got to worry about doing anything. And all this is a mechanism to separate out integration and what is truth. Because once we can separate them, we can live in truth for a few minutes without having the pain of, but how am I going to, but how am I going to, but how am I going to, forget that. Just live in truth for a few seconds. If you live in truth for a few minutes, you get to actually question why we do what we do. If you have someone in your life that you can share this with, then that you're, 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 you're 50 yards ahead of the rest of the world. And if you don't, it's called pen and paper. Or a keyboard where you, where, you're, where you deliver your truth in words to yourself and then you come back to those words and see them again and then you're creating a measure of distance between the words and you, even though the words were you yesterday. But if, you don't, if we don't have a mechanism to be able to deliver over what's in our heads, how are we going to analyze it? What company would ever be like, we'll figure it out? What what government could survive? Well, some may, some were trying to. What government could survive with, we'll figure it out? How can you build a bridge if you're just going to figure it out as you're crossing the river? Why is our life any more important, any less important? How are we going to figure it out if we're not willing, willing, willing to extract it out and analyze it and really question it? Why am I doing this? Why am I with those people? Why am I still in that relationship? Why can't I just try this thing? What's holding me back from being greater? Why can't I launch this? What? I don't understand. Why am I being, how come every time I walk into the room, this person bothers me? Is it because she's wrong or is it because I'm threatened? Last time I had a, a great opportunity. I was, my daughters are part of this great group. It's amazing what 
kids do. So there's a group of girls that every week get together on Zoom and they have speakers and they answer questions and they're just trying to encourage each other. It's incredible. So I, I was answering questions and one of the questions came up. We were talking about having self-worth. And one of the questions came up and was, you know, teenage girl, she says, how come I'm, I'm looking over to a friend of mine and she's like the fun personality type. And I realized that I can never be like her. So how do I not talk bad about her? Right. You see, like it was, it was like a, it was like a, a confused ball of emotion questions, all like in lowercase, you know what I'm saying? Like no spelling, just like, you know, standard, like chat stuff, you know, like lowercase I caps, wherever exclamation points in different places, just a random stream of thoughts. And what she was saying is the reason why I speak badly about people, this person is because I want to be her and I can never be her. So I need to like release the valve that way. Now, if she would actually spend time doing this, she would question a behavior and get to it. She'd go, oh my gosh, I can fix it. But there are a lot of people speaking badly about each other. They don't even realize why it is. They don't even realize that the reason why they're speaking badly about other people is because they're threatening themselves. Because they're not analyzing themselves. They're not in a search for truth. They're not searching for their truth. And when you live your life and you really start to believe that you're more than your body, when you start living your life and you really start to give and start to live through a soul's perspective and start to put the pieces together that every time I'm giving in a real way, something feels different. I'm operating from a different place of me. The body wants to take, the soul wants to give. As I give more, as I allow myself to be of more value, I start to uncover the true me. And it feels incredible. As you move in that direction, your ability to analyze what we're doing, to journal every day, to do exercises like the one in the workbook and think about it. As you stop your day in the morning or the night during the periods of thinking and really question why you got upset at your spouse and really question why when you came out, you failed. How many times do we fail at something and we blame our boss or our friends? And at the end of the day, it's because we just didn't try hard enough, period, end of story. And we never think this way. It's always someone's fault until we stop. And we allow ourselves, the, we condition ourselves to be comfortable in the uncomfortable about our own deficiencies. It's okay to say, I'm wearing this outfit because I want people to look at me because I like attention. That's much better than saying, no, it's because I want to really, come on. And it's probably gray in the middle. And the more we separate those strands, the more we go wear it anyways. I'm not talking about peace, right? I forget peace. I'm not talking about integrating. I'm just talking about living in truth. We walk in and go, I know I want this. Okay, that's fine. And maybe as I grow in my life, I'll realize that I'm not going to wear things for someone else to look at me. I'm going to wear things because of my own personal desire to look pretty or to look beautiful. And regardless of whether I get a compliment or not, I'm still going to feel good about myself. That's a tremendous growth. Now, this concept of searching for truth is critical because this concept of being comfortable searching for truth, understanding why we do what we do, 
analyzing our behaviors, journaling our lives. That stuff is the foundational point of a, of a term that is of the most important terms called resilience. The word resilience is a concept. It is a trait that is maybe of the most important traits that we have to build. Look around at what's going on today. I spend much of my time helping companies grow. Seeing the world through the prism of what's called a C-suite, CEO or CFO or COO, and seeing how their company is doing and helping them grow. I can tell you the difference between companies now, when this whole virus hit, there are some companies that are still reeling. Three, four months in, they're still fighting on the phone. No resilience. Shaky. There's no ability to analyze themselves. There's no ability to stare at their problems long enough to realize that everyone's got issues. They're just covering over, covering over someone else's fault, someone else's fault, and they're still where they are. There's some companies, this thing hit in March. By mid-March, they had already restructured the company. CEOs stopping to take salaries, changing what they do. Every Why? What's the difference between one over the other? What's the difference between families that are still going out of their minds at their home and families that have managed to turn their whole houses upside down? Marriages that are about to kill each other versus marriages that are about to grow stronger. It comes from this concept called resilience. Resilience is the ability to be able to be flexible in environments, to not break. That's why in the Talmud, it compares the Jewish people to a reed. And the Talmud asks, what? A reed? How about a tree? If you're going to compliment a people, any nation, you're going with the reed, the reeds by the bushes, you think? How about a beautiful, big, gorgeous tree? And the answer the Talmud gives is that as big as a tree is, it could be blown over. But reeds will never blow over. They'll never, they'll never crack. They just they go with the wind. And there's no bigger compliment than telling someone that he's resilient or she's resilient. Where does it come from? So we make this mistake in thinking that resilience comes from optimism. That if you're optimistic, then you're resilient. It doesn't. In fact, sometimes optimism is, oh, it's in Tinus. Great. Andy corrected me. I said it was in the Talmud of Brachos. It's in the Talmud of Ta'anit or Ta'anis. Thank you, Andy. We think that optimism is what makes us feel resilient. The people that are like, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. It's not really true. Because many times optimism, at some point, if you get hit long enough, you crack. The it's going to be amazing way of seeing the world without any change. Just like, don't worry, it's going to work. Don't worry, it's going to work. Don't worry, it's going to work. It works to some extent, especially if there's like a belief in the higher power that he has a better plan. That's one thing. If you're believing that the world around you will be amazing, the world around you will work itself out, that's okay. That's called faith. I'm talking about your own self, your own growth. If you look at the world and the world is responding to you that you're not doing well enough and your response is it'll be better without any change. At some point, if the world doesn't change, you go down. There's a great book called Originals. 
Adam Grant. He's got a section in this. And in that whole section, quoting all different, I can bring you this research tomorrow. He shows how the, the real resilience comes from not sort of this optimism. It comes from a certain, he calls it defensive, I don't like that word. I, I would call it strategic pessimism. You're not really pessimistic. You're not like, it's going to be terrible, it's going to be terrible, it's going to be terrible. You have a certain strategy. You're willing to look at what's wrong. You're willing to see where the problems are. And as where others want to move past it because it's uncomfortable, as others want to come out of conversations that are difficult, as others want to move past their own faults because they don't want to think about it, these Real resilience allows you to stare at your problems longer than everybody else and know that who you are is a source that is beyond what's in front of you. And if you dig deep enough, you'll find a way. You see, that's not like really optimism, it, but it is optimism. It's optimism, not that it will work out. It's optimism that you will work it out or you will grow from it. Let's say that's better. But this concept of searching for truth that we've been speaking about requires us to build the muscles of stamina. Right. Awesome. Liron. You guys are missing this. The zoom people, you have to recognize if you're on zoom, you gotta be here with me. I got Andy. I got Liron. I got a crew of people that are posting all day as we're talking lines and quotes and links. This is the value of being on zoom with us. Or on Facebook. You gotta, and you gotta post Liron's concept. Oh, Liron posted on Facebook too. Everything is figure outable. There's a new language we're forming here. I think nuanceable is our word, and figure outable is one of our words. We'll have our, our own daily boost vocabulary one day. But understand this that if we really wanna be resilient, if we really wanna grow, the first real step of that is starting to build these muscles. You sit down to do a push-up. You can't do a push-up. You don't stop doing push-ups. You do them until it hurts. You give yourself some rest. You come back. You, you, you're at it for a few weeks, and you can do push-ups. You want to jog. You want to run a marathon. You start, you start training. You can barely walk down the block. You keep at it every single day long enough. You'll end up running it for the most part. We want, if we want to really grow the muscle, the engine, that gets us to the ideal day, the engine that gets us to significance versus for, versus ego, the engine that is everything that we're talking about. One of the engines, one is to be a giver. One of the engines that make us drive every single day is the engine of resilience. It's that ability to sit in problems longer than everybody else. It's that ability to not say it's because. It's that ability to walk into a room and go, why am I doing this for? And have no answer for weeks. They have no real answers because your brain has got billions of neural connections and you, have, you can't just whip it out. It's not like, you know, a tangled group of wires. It's going to take a long time, but it doesn't matter because we're on a journey and life's about figuring it out. And it doesn't matter if you get it or you don't get it. It matters if you're fighting in the game. And there's no moment that you get it. You just wake up one morning and you have a little bit more, have a little more. It's like growing. There's no moment that you pop. One day you're 5'1", and one day you're 5'6". How did that happen? I don't know. I'm going you know, incrementally, and then all of a sudden I pop, and then incrementally, and I stop, and then I go a little more. It's called life. It's jagged. This is how we build resilience. 
And when you're resilient, you stand in problems. You figure things out. You want to grow. You want to be challenged. And when you're resilient with your own life, now we're talking about something totally different. When you're resilient with your own life, not the stuff that comes at you, the stuff that you're proactively trying to figure out, now you're working on yourself. Now you're growing. No two paths are the same. No two humans are the same. But it's the same mix of elements. Body, brain, soul, world. And the rest of it is just piece by piece. It's a chess game of life. I will continue this tomorrow's Friday. Wow. Let's imagine tomorrow's Friday. Try doing this. Tomorrow we'll talk about journaling a little bit, how to do it more, but with God's help. So I'm thinking about this today. Today, as you go through anything in life that's going to require us to think a little harder, and as you feel your brain going, let's move on. Let's check with my phone. Hold back a few more seconds. Feel the discomfort and recognize that you're stronger than giving that up. The more you stare at the issues, the more you can figure them out. All right. It's been a pleasure. Love you guys, really. And it's thanks so much for this, for this time together. And with God's help, really can't wait to see you again tomorrow. Have a great day.